This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. Welcome everyone. I'm here at the Norwegian School of Sports Sciences and looking forward to our discussion with the guest of today's episode. He's working as a researcher at the Department of Sports Medicine at the NIH and Associate Professor of University of Akto. His research is focused on physical activity epidemiology and measurement of physical activity. He is involved in the National Surveillance Service of Physical Activity and Sedentary Behavior and the International Children's Accelerometer Database. Ladies and gentlemen, I am honored to introduce our guest, Björge Hermann Hansen. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, that's great. So, so this institute is on the top of a big hill. How do you, how do you commute? Well, uh, my current situation is that I work uh, in Kristiansand, a, a town in the very south of Norway. Yeah. So when I am here at the Norwegian School of Sports Sciences, I, I go by train. Yeah. But when I am in Kristiansand, I to my my everyday work, I try to ride my bike as much as possible. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit hard when it rains, but still, I try to. I try to to ride my bike. Yeah, it's, it beats the traffic. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's good. So, so about the research, what are the things in research that you find find most interesting? Yeah, that's uh, that's a broad question. I'm um, I really um, I'm really intrigued by the fact that we are now able to measure how much we move mm. relatively accurate accurate compared yeah. to what we used to do, and all the implications that had that has for our field. Mm. which basically is physical activity and health. Yeah, yeah. And so you have done the studies related to the International Children's Accelerometer Database. How, mm. how, is, this, how is this work done? Uh, well, the, the ICAD is um, it's an international uh, consortium. There are, we are more than 20 partners from around the world who have performed studies in, in the respective countries. Mm. Uh, and have been willing to share data, to pool data in order to make one big database where we try and harmonize all this physical activity data so that they are you know, comparable across studies in order to make, to create a bigger sample basically mm. that enables us to detect clinically meaningful associations between activity or exposures of activity and inactivity to health outcomes mm. that we haven't been able to, um, or that we are not able to see in smaller samples. Mm. It's, it's it's hard with kids and health outcomes yeah. because kids will not have like a full blown NCD. Mm. You will see perhaps one or two risk factors yeah. popping up in kids with that are. Yeah, so with no, kids you're always only measuring just risk factors. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And and how, how how many participants, how much do you have people in the data? In the data currently in the database there are about fifty five thousand um, kids with activity data and some health outcome. 
mm. one one or more health outcome variables yeah. from from um, typical uh, weight circumference to the more the, to the full sets of metabolic risk factors. Mm. Yeah, and when you analyze, do you actually have raw data of fifty five thousand people? Or? We we actually we have raw data. I mean, you can perhaps you should you should put with how we look at raw data today. You should put mm. some. What do you call it? Quotes, Quotes around yeah. raw raw data because these studies date back to early two thousand and and in early two thousand we had accelerometers that were a bit limited in you know, storage and battery. So the data available is vertical axis accelerations in you know relatively long periods of time. So mm. so you have yeah. a, a relatively crude measure of intensity, for example, but yeah. still amazing data and still far superior to questionnaires mm. as you know yeah, yeah so so there's a lot there's still a lot of use for the old data and what i think is very fascinating with icad is that we're actually able to to you put all this data still to good use mm. yeah mm. and could you tell a little bit more about how do you harmonize the data yeah. well, well in order to harmonize it or harmonization of data basically means to get all your data decks in one row or to swim in the same mm. directions. So as long as you have you know, the majority of ICAD data is what it is, high resolution, uh, vertical axis, that means that we have to make all the newer data retrospectively comparable. Mm. So we need to reduce higher resolution data into 60 second vertical axis. In order to to pool this data, yeah, yeah. And what do you think? How much do you lose uh, valuable information with this this yeah, down not... downgrading of the mm. data? Yeah, it's a good question, and I, I don't have the exact answer to that. But but you you you, it's fair to suspect that perhaps vigorous intensity is a little bit underestimated using higher resolution or a lower resolution data. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So basically, it's cutting out the higher. Yeah, I mean, sure, it, it it will it will miss out on short bouts of higher intensity activity, mm. which you see, which maybe you see more of in kids compared to adults. Yeah. In so. adults, I don't think that's such a such a big of an issue because adults tend to have have a more sustained. Yeah. Continuous activity pattern. More deliberate. If you are walking, you are walking. Yeah. If you are out for a run, you are. You know, you're doing it for a, yeah. for a while. Yeah. It's quite interesting mm. when you just observe kids. They are like running full speed. Yes. Five Definitely. seconds. Mm. Then they go down. They lay down. Yeah. <laughs> jump and. Mm. But yeah. but but still, it, it it provides a very good estimate of overall activity levels. Overall, like levels of. Of a certain intensity. Mm, yeah. So, so basically, from mm. this this good data set, what what have you find out? Yeah, there are there are um, lots of papers that are, have come out of ICAD and are keep keep coming out of ICAD, and we have been able to tease out the to a greater extent, extent the dose response mm. relationships between activity, sedentary behavior, and health outcomes, and also lots of descriptive data on activity patterns in children, how they vary between ages, between sexes, uh, and so forth. Mm. 
And and I saw one of your papers where you used the reallocation of data. Mm-hmm. Could you tell more about this reallocation data yeah. analysis? Yeah, ISO isotemporal substitution modeling is a method that stems from um, actually a nutrition research, mm. where you try and model what happens if you increase one macronutrient on the at the cost of another. Mm. So if you re- re- reduce intake of uh, carbohydrates and, and increase intake of another uh, nutrient, what happens with with an with the dependent variable, with the mm. I variable, with the um, dependent variable. So, so we have applied this to um, to physical activity data because the the beauty of the accelerometer data is that you have for whatever long participants wear the monitor, you can define that as a finite set of time, mm. like a big big piece of cake basically, mm. and you can divide it into uh, intensity categories mm. and you can then model using simple linear regression what happens if you increase time spent in moderate to vigorous physical activity at the cost of sedentary behavior for example so if you decrease sitting by 10 minutes and, in, uh, and increase MVPA with, with those 10 minutes what happens so it's it's a, it's a modeling Technique. Mm. So it's it's not it's not an experiment. Yeah, so it's it's a hypothetical modeling. So do you, do you actually kind of pick participants that have done, for example, ten minutes more of certain activity, and you kind of compare different yeah. participants? I mean that that basically what's going on in the it's a, it's a regression, so it models response based on patterns in the data. Mm. So so that's basically what's going on. But the 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 dissemination of that technique. Is what I really like. Uh, you can communicate that okay, replacing ten minutes of sedentary time mm. with ten minutes of higher intensity activity will actually affect actually a broad line of or a broad spectrum of the metabolic risk factors. Mm. So as little as ten minutes, ten minutes shifting of uh, of intensity. Uh, had uh, were significantly associated with uh, the risk factors. Yeah, yeah. So I, I really tried to put it in simple terms. So basically, you could have like a group of people in a way that they had certain amount of activity, and then you have group of people who had ten minutes more, mm-hmm. and you compare the outcome measures, the health risk measures of of those yeah. participants. Yeah. So what what do you see the downsides? Can you really see kind of can you predict the causality, or could there be mm. other factors that are explaining this effect? Mm, yeah, that's always the uh, always the um, challenge we face in in physical activity epidemiology or all epidemiology. What are our confounding factors? What mm. are our uh, non measured confounders? Uh, what about reversed causality, for example? It's very hard, even though we have longitudinal data, and a, pharma, a, a good chunk of the data in ICAD is actually longitudinal. Mm. Um, nevertheless, it is hard to tease out confounding factors in cohort studies. Mm. It's very hard. Yeah. Uh, and we can adjust for, we can adjust for sex, we can adjust for gender, 
we can adjust for BMI, if that makes sense. We can mm. adjust for sort of parental education. Mm. Um, but it's still hard to tease out whether, well. Yeah, yeah, mm. what is it? Yeah. And, and so what kind of data you need to be able to do it? How big the data set needs to be and what are the other requirements for, for the data? In order to really establish causality between an exposure or, or and an kind outcome, of, or, even to do this reallocation analysis, like mm -hmm. what what do you need from data point of view? Well, the the best thing would be if you had perhaps a good measure of twenty four hour activity, uh, or at least as much of um, well of. of but as much time as possible recorded for a lo as long a period mm. of time as possible. Because typically we measure children or adults for perhaps for four days or perhaps for a week. A mm. week is more, more common now. I mean, and then, then we assume that one week is, uh, uh, you know, provides a good picture of the overall mm. activity levels. And that might not be the case. Yeah. I mean, you might, you might, uh, overdo a little bit once you are yeah measured i don't think that's a big problem uh especially if you if you measure for a week but still that's always a question mm. right? if, you, if you are measured how you will probably over overreact or social desirability bias or reactivity or hawthorne effect mm. goes by many names yeah yeah <laughs> um, but you you um, uh, um, a rich signal for as long as possible yeah and health outcomes, both at baseline and um, and uh, by the end of the study. Mm. So, in, in order to try and adjust your analysis for baseline values of whatever risk factors you All are. Right. Uh, yeah. you are um, Could you theoretically do it without the base and follow-up values? Or do you just need one, but it makes it better to have both? Or? Uh, it, it improves, uh, it improves it if you have both, but... Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, more is always better, but I, I, I still think as long as you are a bit cautious with your how you conclude, you you, you can do it with one uh, time point. Mm, mm. Yeah, and and you said that with this you can find out really nice findings that even maybe ten minutes. So what mm. what have you found with with this database and this method? Well, well, for example, that ten ten minutes um, more activity of moderate intensity, and you know. In, moderate intensity is mm. it's not that much it's basically it's brisk walking or more mm. so that even 10 minutes you're able to spot the difference in relatively young children mm. uh, and i think that has a big impact because from a public health perspective you know activity habits track mm. you know bad habits are formed early and also you know that the, the, the population level perspective is really interesting, mm. and if 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 a ten minute increase is the aim, yeah, instead of thirty minutes or even one hour, mm. maybe it can make public health work a bit more, yeah, realistic, yeah, if you know what I mean, yeah, yeah. and that is something that we should aim for, and and you you see the same as you know as quality of longitudinal studies gets better and with better i mean longer follow-up times better measurements of exposure mm. objective measures you are 
to a greater extent able to tease out specifics of those response relationships between mm. physical activity and health. And the newest study from our groups, our group here at the Norwegian School of Sports yeah. Sciences with fantastic group of international partners mm. recently published uh, Ulf Eklund is the main author in BMJ illustrates this in a very good way I think where you have we have a uh, we have a systematic review and a meta-analysis mm. of uh, eight studies yeah large cohort studies from UK US and, uh, and Scandinavia uh, just short of 40,000 participants followed mm. for a mean period of six years. Yeah. And they have baseline measures of activity and sedentary time using accelerometers, an objective device that measures mm. how much you move. Yeah. And we were able to show, you know, if, if you, if you divide the group in four, mm. Quartiles. Yeah. You have the quartile one, which is the 25% with the lowest activity yeah. levels. Yeah. Quartile four, the most active. And we see uh, clear reductions in mortality risk just going from quartile one to quartile two. Hmm. Yeah. So risk reduction of around 60%. Yeah. Between the least active and the most, also the the second most active group. Second most active yes. only. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So that's a big I mean the, the biggest risk reduction is between group or quartile four and one. Mm. But there's a marked reduction going from one to two. And yeah. I think that's where the public the really beautiful public health message lies. Mm. This podcast is sponsored by Fibian, a research device that has been shown to be valid in tracking sitting, standing physical activity and energy expenditure. Furthermore, Fibian has been shown to be valid categorizing physical activity into light, moderate and vigorous intensity. In addition to scientific accuracy, Fibian provides automatically produced and easy-to-understand reports for research participants. Get scientific validation and learn more about Fibian at fibian.com research. And so, so basically, what kind of uh, mortality differences you found between the different quartiles? Yeah, uh, there, there was about um, you know a fivefold increase in number of deaths if you compare quartile one to quartile four. Mm, yeah, and there were marked reductions in mortality risk between quartile one, the least active, mm, yeah. and quartile two. Yeah which are the, the second to last active mm, yeah. group. And the, the difference you know, the, the difference in absolute numbers between one and four, one and, uh, one and two, was approximately five minutes of moderate to vigorous physical activity. Mm, yeah. So, so uh, or a little bit more than one hour of reduced sedentary time. Yeah, mm. yeah. And of course, you always need to remember that it's all-cause mortality, but there's a lot of musculoskeletal things, there's things related to happiness, mental health problems, which we don't see in these. And yes, I mean, this is, forget. these are the hardcore, really hard endpoints, mm. I mean, dead or alive. But yeah, you are completely, oh, you are very correct. And I'm, I mean, the, the acute effects of, I mean, not exercising, but walking, mm. being active, I mean, there, there are tons of acute effects. 
and there are numerous long-term effects. Yeah. And I, I, I find that very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Very. As uh, like a pu- uh, public health, ma- the magic pill of yeah. public health. Yeah. We just we need to get people to realize that uh, a little bit is more is better. Mm. Increase a, a little bit increase. I mean, you will not instantaneously lose a lot of weight or instantaneously increase your VO two max by twenty five percent. But mm. in a lifelong perspective. Commuting, active mm. commuting makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. And how how do you see like we we find for example that very small difference is big for the public health perspective. Mm. But how do we make people to motivate? How do they find incentive? Let's say that if you're a little bit more active and your diabetes risk decreases eight <laughs> percent in in thirty years time, mm. it won't change the behavior of very many people. Mm. Yeah, no, you you have a very good point. Um, we know that behavioral change interventions perhaps don't show a lot of effect. Mm. This, they are they they have limitations. Uh, not not a lot of them have a very long follow up time, for example. So it might be certain effects of an intervention that takes a bit of time to to mature or mm. to to um, take a stand in your behavior mm. so so some effects are maybe are masked by low or short follow-up time but I, I I think that you know it's it's a hard sell I mean the whatever percent reduction in risk of some communicable disease disease 40 mm. years from now yeah so I think the way forward is structural interventions and make it easier mm. to for people to commute uh public transportations should be cheaper better more accessible mm. workplaces should facilitate activity I mean have facilities so you can take a shower before you go to work mm. have a dressing room for example um, we should um, when we build roads we should build bike lanes next to it yeah uh, all these structural things yeah yeah How? so in 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 order to shift the population the population curve a little bit to the right yeah and i i heard that the mm. political situation is that the, the parties are discussing about the road tolls yes. and it what, what is your take on the road tolls uh yeah <laughs> this is not i don't want to get political yeah but um from public health perspective, I mean, anything that can decrease the car use is good in a way, but yeah. still, the toll thing is, a, I think it's a bit unsocial. Yeah, yeah. Because maybe it, uh, it, it, it does a lot of harm to certain segments of the population as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, but, yeah. But, but still, we need to reduce our car use mm. for the sustainability of our society but mm. spin-off effects of that is that we will eventually become a more active uh, population yeah yeah so I cannot help myself from always thinking about that aspect when these discussions come yeah up. yeah and I think it looks quite good in the Nor- Norway from that perspective and and I understand you have had quite long the guidelines for for different 
physical yeah. activity and also sedentary behavior, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nor- Norway has uh, a lot of stuff with physical activity, um, you know, s- structurally, politically, systematically. Mm. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff going on in Norway for many years. We have we had our first set of guidelines in 2000. That was early. Uh, we had uh, a government white paper in 2005. Mm. Uh, and correct me uh, if I am wrong, but I, that was one of the first countries in the world who actually had Probably, su- yeah. Su- yeah. such a white paper. And that paper is interesting because it lists 108 efforts to be made in order to increase population levels of physical activity. Mm. Yeah. And... and one one of these efforts, effort number ninety-seven to be uh, precise, is to establish a reoccurring national surveillance system of physical activity, physical fitness. Yeah. Across the age spectrum. So since then, since two thousand and five, that's a tractor. Yeah. Uh, so since two thousand and five, we have now had five population representative studies of activity levels, levels of sedentary behavior and physical fitness in Norwegian kids, youth, adults and older people. Mm. So we have fantastic data on how active we are in Norway. Yeah. So we are able now to show graphically or among, among going from six year mm. to nine year kids, we see a uh, 30% reduction in activity levels hmm. going from being 9 year to being 15 year old year old you see a 30% reduction all right and and and, and, and uh, another 30% reduction into adulthood where your your activity levels are relatively stable until you reach approximately um, retirement age then you see a marked decline yeah, so it goes down quite a bit if you go 30, 30, and 30 percent. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, and we we have we have these guidelines. They're um, one hour of moderate to vigorous activity per day for children, mm. and approximately, according to our data, um, around ninety uh, percent of Norwegian sixteen-year-olds meet these guidelines. But then it drops, and approximately one in three adults mm. meet these guidelines. Yeah. Yeah. And and how do you how large is the sample in these and how do you what kind of data you collect? Yeah, we we uh, we use uh, accelerators. Yeah. To uh, to assess physical activity, sedentary behavior, and patterns in these exposures, yeah. we use uh, it. It varies a little bit from study to study, but we have for quite a few of these studies, we have done direct measurements of um, physical fitness or measured mm. maximal maximal. VO2 max yeah. in both 9 and 15, 15-year-olds and adults and older people. Yeah. And that's it's not a sub-maximal test, it's a direct measurement yeah, where right. they perform to maximal exhaustion. So we have good data on the fitness levels as well in Norway. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and you said accelerometers, where do you wear it? Yeah, uh, we we uh, wear our, we have consistently put our accelerometers on the hip. On the hip, yeah. And you know, we have followed very closely the uh, development in this field. Some big mm. studies have moved the accelerometers up to the wrist, mm. uh, which have uh, certain uh, advantages, but also disadvantages. But we have always been governed by, by the main tasks 
of our studies is to track the trends in the mm. population level. So yeah. we have been very, yeah. it's been relatively straightforward for us to make the decision to mm. well keep the accelerometer on the hip yeah. for this uh, sample. Yeah. And it's and very nice. It's retrospectively compar- uh, comparable. Yeah. Uh, we have higher resolution data, but you know, as, you, as you know, they are all, as long as you have higher data, you can always back transform to make it comparable to the, you know, the oldest mm. data. Yeah. So I think uh, our data is, uh, and, and our, our sample is, but I, I said f- five studies, so five waves of data collection, and between uh, three and, uh, and 5,000 participants per. Yeah. Per wave, yeah. approximately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it seems that in your institute, you are doing a lot of meta-analysis and harmonizing of data so i can see that you have yeah. <laughs> learned the lessons do you doing those yeah those it's things? hard it's hard you run into all sorts of challenges mm. all of a sudden two generations of monitors are not comparable for example yeah yeah it's a, it's a challenge that's that's mm. a challenge <laughs> yeah yeah and i i noticed from your publications you have also done some valid validity studies what what was this about uh, yeah, that's a good question. So the, the, <laughs> the, 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 my very first validation paper was it's a very simple paper, but I think it, it holds merit. It basically showed that accelerometers worn on the hip cannot assess cycling. Mm. I mean, no surprise. Yeah, no surprise. Uh, when you yeah. look at the um, you know the principles, but but still, it shows that it works very poorly for for cycling. Yeah, and also uphill and downhill walking, for example. But yeah, so 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 um, various uh, validations of various comparisons between monitors, comparisons between sites, comparisons mm. between brands. Yeah, uh, and so forth. Yeah, mm. yeah. This podcast is sponsored by Fibian, a research device that has been shown to be valid in tracking sitting, standing, physical activity, and energy expenditure. Get scientific validation and learn more about Fibian at fibian.com slash research. And, and I heard that you are also teaching statistics. What, what is, how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I, you know, uh, I do a lot of teaching in uh, scientific methods and uh, statistics, and I absolutely love it. Mm. Uh, I am no statistician. Yeah. So sometimes I struggle a little bit with all the math behind some mm. of the more complex analysis, yeah. but I think it is. I really enjoy teaching because students respond to it. They realize that it's a tool they need, mm. and I think it's very important that we really stress this sort of education, not only on in higher education but also lower. Mm. So I do some. I, I travel a little bit to um, secondary schools, for example, and give talks on you know how to spot fake news, how to be a bit critic, critical to all the health information you are exposed to in the media. And uh, so, so and, 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 and you know, also for students, it's very hard to a lecturer hands you a scientific papers and, and, and a paper and tell you to be critical, mm. be critical. Mm. And, you know, it's very hard because yeah. the authors are, well, most of the times the authors are experts. Mm. They are very well um, in, they do, they write very nicely English. Mm. They have had uh, statistical expertise helping them out. You know, it's very hard to yeah. critique a paper as, for a student. But you, if you boil it down to 
if you if you provide some tools for students, it's not that hard anymore. Mm. You can always look at what's study design. What are the limitations in the study design compared to how they conclude? Mm. You can always look at the sample and you know consider is this a valid sample? Are the data representative? Can mm. they say something about the population they wish to speak about from their sample? Yeah. And you can always look into the methods. Yeah. So th those are the three uh, like pointers I, I I tend to provide students mm. uh, in order to help them be a little bit more critical when they read scientific papers. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think is the is the thing that we should be critical? What 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 goes wrong with the with the methods and statistics in most of the studies that it goes wrong? Let's yeah. Say. No, I think. Um, I mean, in epidemiological studies, uh, poor me measures of exposure. Mm. If you use questionnaires to assess physical activity or assess diet, for example, mm. uh, it is very hard. Yeah. Self-reports can accurately perhaps say something about your activity habits, for mm. example. Yeah. But it is very hard to recall about frequency, duration, mm. and um, intensity. So yeah. say something about overall activity levels or overall energy intake for that matter. Yeah. Using yeah. self-report is very uh, limited. Yeah. So always trying to uh, improve how we measure exposure. Follow-up time is often short. Mm. Uh, we often have baseline and end of study measures we should have more time points so we can track changes in behavior mm. and what how they affect outcomes um, and you know reverse causality is always something that lies there a little bit hidden mm. why are why are the people in quartile one actually in quartile one is yeah. it because there's some underlying disease or a begin something is about to happen which makes them well, the least active point. Mm, yeah so those response and causality um, and also um, yeah there's so, so many things we should be I mean to 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 go into statistics and be critical I mean that's that's a bit that's a bit complicated I mean sometimes you will see that oh this is clearly inappropriate but most of the times I, I find Critiquing the statistics mm. a bit hard. Yeah, yeah. And you said that the self reports are difficult. Maybe it's easier to remember when you exercise. How do you see the sedentary behavior, self reporting? Yeah. What what is yeah, there? No, you are exactly right. And uh, I mean, as I said, perhaps you are able to um, to remember when you exercise, mm. but you will tend to over report. Yeah, and. Perhaps as more or even more importantly, you will tend to not remember when you are just moving around. Mm. So you will uh, underestimate light physical activity. Mm. And you will also underestimate sedentary mm. behavior. Yeah. And that makes, that has some effects on what we, we see from these studies. So if you underreport or or, or overreport an exposure that is you know, 
respectively good or bad. Mm. That can uh, attenuate the effects. And it tend to draw the conclusions towards the uh, null hypothesis. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's more like subconscious when we sit and the light activity. Yes. But when we do exercise, it's very conscious choice to go and do it. Yep. And and maybe that's why it might be effective when we change environment and norms that people actually start to do the light activity more if they get it on the habit level. What what do you think of habits and and light mm. activity and so on? No, exactly, and that goes goes back uh, to my earlier point that uh, it's very hard to change people's habits. Mm. We are animals of habits. It's very hard to ch- for us to change. Uh, so we need to, in a way, force that change, I think, with mm. structural interventions and efforts. Yeah, yeah. So we need, uh, it's hard, it's hard to put the, because it's very hard to put the price on prevention. Mm. And, uh, and politicians tend to work in, um, four year cycles. Yeah. So it is very hard work. Yeah. To push for, uh, to push for shifting that population curve. 10 minutes to the to the right yeah yeah <laughs> the politicians yeah. won't see it in their term if it if it finishes yeah and then i know it's and it's uh, but the the the, co- the, the cost benefits analysis are you know, mind-blowing in a way mm. like how much you are actually saving on becoming more active as a population yeah yeah and and i'm, I'm looking here your publication lists there's so many different things you have you have been involved in many papers which which themes would you like to discuss like what are the most interesting ones yeah i i like uh, i mean uh i really like the descriptive epidemiology mm. it? you know, it, it you can perhaps label it as a bit simple but i think not i think it's very important i think it's very interesting uh and i think the fact that we now have data uh it's so important to do all the descriptive epidemiology mm. yeah Uh, so that's a big, uh, that's a big favorite of mine, favorite yeah. of mine. But also, the, I mean, the, to be involved in the, for example, the cohort study now just recently published in the BMJ is uh, for me it's amazing. Yeah, to be a part of such a strong group and that 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 particular project, the meta analysis we discussed earlier, it's a perfect example of an international collaboration project. Yeah, no funding, just very positive partners. Yeah. Yeah, we have been going forty two minutes. Is there something else you would like to discuss or should we wrap it up or No, I'm I'm happy if you're happy. Yeah, I'm I'm happy. All right. Yeah, I will I'll go from there. Mm. Uh, yeah, thank you. It's it's been very, very interesting discussions and it's always nice to find a person who is very enthusiastic about <laughs> statistics yeah, <laughs> and feels fascinated. Yeah. For many people it's that one thing they don't don't like too much it just has to be done uh thanks a lot for for joining the podcast thank you for uh, having me this podcast is sponsored by fibian get scientific validation and learn more about fibian at fibian.com slash research the physical activity researcher podcast has created an activity tracker purchase guide for researchers get your free copy from the link in the podcast description Thank you for listening to the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast.